Last week, you remember that we finished with that great uh, song. I'm going to have to switch some of these off, Gary. Yeah, that great song that uh, is based on John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're talking about what Jesus sees. He saw some trouble coming for his disciples, but he also wanted to give them some comfort as well in anticipating what they would face. That's that verse, 34 and 35. Just remember the context. Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room, uh, uh, experiencing the Passover where the uh, Lord's Supper was instituted. And sadly, probably one of the saddest moments of his three years of of uh, ministry was where Judas opted to betray him and left the room. Someone that Jesus had sunk his time and energy, uh, love and care into, uh, turned his back on Jesus for, for money. And then he spoke these words of encouragement, direction to the disciples that remained, the eleven, telling them that they would be his disciples if they loved one another. And last week I mentioned that, that that's what the early church did. It was obvious. Uh, the the um, authorities of the day, the Roman emperors of the day, were stunned by the love that early Christians showed to one another, but also to those outside the church. They showed it in a sacrificial way, in a humble way, just like Jesus did. And people were drawn to the Saviour because of their actions. What a statement. What a badge of honour. Those Christians, they really love one another. Is that what you want people to say about you? Is that what you want people to say about us? I do. I hope so. That those Christians, they really love one another. Not only was Jesus disappointed by Judas's betrayal... But there was some confusion amongst the disciples as well. They thought he might have gone shopping for extra supplies. They didn't realise that he was going to the priests to hand Jesus or to plan to hand Jesus over to them. Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples were ready for what was coming, because he knew they were going to face some tough times. Pastor Jeff and I were talking about that this week. What's our job as pastors? You know, the word for pastor is shepherd. What's our job as shepherds? Well, there's all those protecting the sheep from the uh, predators and all that sort of stuff. But Jesus' example was one of preparing his followers, his disciples, for the difficulties they would face down the track. Because there are many places where it says that the world would hate them because they were his followers. The world will hate his, will hate Jesus' disciples because they are his followers. And that they would struggle to, to stay true to following him. That's what comes up in the next verses, verses 36 to 38 of uh, John 13. Jesus predicted Peter's denial of him. So he's just had Judas turn his back on him. But he knew that one day soon, very soon, Peter was going to deny him too. So he talked about the trouble, or we're looking at the trouble ahead. Peter was going to deny him. Must have broken Jesus' heart to know this, that the disciples would would not stay true to him in the midst of difficult times. And Peter had, uh, Jesus had said to them earlier in verse 33, My children, 
I'll be with you only a little longer. You look for me, and just as I told you... Sorry, got that? And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. What did Peter remember out of that verse? In verse 36, we're told this. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? So what he remembered out of that verse was, I am only going to be with you a little longer. Where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Here comes the predicted denial. Verse 38. Then Jesus answered, you will, re- will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Did Peter believe that? Did he think that was possible? How could I disown Jesus? Just not, not possible. Not like someone else. Not that he knew what Jesus had done at the time. But Peter was interested not in the fact that, that um, Jesus had given them a new commandment to love one another. He was more interested in, where are you going, Lord? I want to stay with you. I, I'm upset that you say, you, you're telling us that I can't come with you. Didn't realise that Jesus was speaking about his death and that he was saying that Peter wouldn't be willing to put down his life for Jesus' sake. We, we know the story, don't we? But what Jesus was seeing was these trusted group of disciples who, even though they spoke with their mouths that they were faithful, he knew that sadly, because of their circumstances, they would turn their back on him. Not in Peter's thinking at the time, not possible for him to deny Jesus. But Jesus saw the difficulties that they were going to face. He saw the difficulties that we will face, we will face and we are facing. Sometimes I think we're like Peter. Sometimes we say the right things and we think the right things. Our intentions are good. But sadly, our abilities to fulfill those intentions are lacking. We don't have the courage, we don't have the peace, we don't know what it means to deny ourselves and to follow Jesus. And that's the real test, isn't it? We desire and we say we want to deny deny self and serve our Saviour, but when it comes to the crunch, sometimes we struggle. Let's remember that we're in good company in that. Many of the other great uh, faithful people of the Scriptures failed on occasion. I'm not saying it's okay to fail. I'm saying that when we do fail, we can come to know the forgiveness of God and his ability to reinstate us to be his faithful followers. So Jesus predicted Peter's denial. And I'm not sure how the other disciples would have reacted to that. No way. Peter's the strong man of our group. You know, how, how could Jesus say that he was going to deny him? I'm so glad that Jesus didn't leave them hanging at that point and he doesn't leave us hanging either. Because if you've got your Bibles open to John chapter 14, the first six verses of John chapter 14 are probably the most comforting verses in the Bible. And so Jesus says this. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. You know these verses? You've probably been to a funeral or two. But they're not for funerals. 
They're for us every day. We're just reminded about these promises at funerals. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Is that security? Is that reassurance? Is that assurance for us? Absolutely. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? What did Jesus say? Won't you read it with me? I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a wonderful promise. It's one we should remember. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What was he saying to them? Predicting difficult times. Predicting Peter's denial. Knowing that there would be trouble ahead. But in essence, he was saying, stop shaking. Stop being nervous about it because I'm giving you some other promises to think about. Jesus knew that there would be trouble ahead. For us, so often we, we get excited and we focus on the wonders of our salvation in Christ, the wonders of our uh, freedom from, from sin that God has promised us. But we forget that throughout Jesus' ministry, he was always warning his disciples that we would be enemies of the world and that people in our world would not support the lifestyle that we have. And we're seeing that more and more as we go. Jesus knew that there would be trouble ahead. What sort of trouble? What sort of trouble was he anticipating? The disciples would witness the most intense suffering ever known on this earth. I wouldn't want to have been there. I don't know about you. I don't know how the crucifixion could be seen as a spectacle in those days, but it was. But for them, the disciples, their their saviour, the one that they'd lived with, walked with, learnt from for the last three years, would go through the most intense suffering possible. They would see one of their own betray the master. They would hear the outspoken Peter deny him. These are the things that Jesus was saying. Stop shaking. Trust in me. Don't worry about these. They were going to be shaken. They were going to be shaken. They would witness not only the agony of Gethsemane, but they would witness Jesus' arrest, his beatings, his cr- the cruelty, all that, his suffering on the cross. But they would also witness Jesus loving them to the end as he promised he would. He encouraged them that their faith would not fail. Jesus' attention wasn't on his suffering. He wasn't focused on his suffering. He was focused on the effect of his suffering. What effect would it have on this trusted group of disciples? What effect would it have? And do you know what he says to them? He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry about this. Don't be afraid of this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be shaken, one translation says. Don't let them be disturbed. Don't start to shudder, is what this word means. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He was saying to them, stop shuddering. Because I'm promising you greater things. 
Uh, I, I was a, uh, uh, a teenager of the 70s, I think. Let me think. Yes, yeah, 70s. Okay, teenager of the 70s. And one of the most significant uh, people that spoke into my life, uh, not only from the scriptures but from music, was the um, Christian musician Keith Green. Do you know that name? Keith and Melody Green from Last Days Ministries. Keith wrote this song. And in this song he says this, I can't wait to get to heaven when you'll wipe away all my fears. In six days you created everything, but you've been working on heaven for 2,000 years. And that promise that Jesus made to his disciples, where he said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's been working on those rooms for us, that place for us, for 2,000 years. What's it going to be like? So he was trying to comfort them by saying, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be, be troubled by all these things that will happen to you. Trust in me. Trust in me. And in fact, he was saying, continue believing. Continue believing. You believe in God, believe also in me. Stop shaking. shaking. Stop shuddering. Don't let your heart be troubled. He was reinforcing, reasserting his deity, his oneness with God. You believe also in God. What have I been teaching you for the last three years? What have you seen for the last three years? You haven't seen my power. You've seen the God of power at work through me. The power of God at work through me. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And the disciples, they had this faith in, in the almighty God. But they also had faith in Jesus. And he was saying, remember that, remember that. And that, that belief, that believing in me is not a once-off belief. It's a ongoing belief. It's a continual believing. Don't just believe in me once, but believe in me every day, for every day, for now and for the future. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Stop shaking, stop shuddering. Right throughout John's Gospel, he speaks about belief or faith. And this is just a reinforcement of Jesus saying to him, saying to his disciples, believe, believe in me. What's it mean? Whenever I read believe, I remember something from Bible college, not, as, not only in this situation where it's talking about that uh, continual ongoing, but the aspect of believing that really grabs a hold of me is believing and obeying. Doing what Jesus tells me to do. For the disciples, they had to surrender themselves. They had to yield themselves to Jesus' authority. And so do we. If we want to know the blessings and the promises of the future, of today and the future, then we have to yield to Jesus. We have to abandon ourselves to Jesus. That's the only way that happens. And they were learning that they would have to do that. They didn't realize how hard it was going to be in the next few days. But they had heard Jesus teaching. He was saying, don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What was Jesus doing? He was aligning himself with the eternal God. He was aligning himself with the great I am of the Old Testament. Because what does he say next? In the next few verses, I am the way, the truth and the life. We'll come to that in a moment. Jesus knew what was going to happen. 
He, in fact, was heading home. He was heading to that place that he had come from. He was heading to be at the right hand of God the Father. Verse 2 tells us, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Where was he going? To heaven. Whatever that looks like in the future, that's where he's going. He's going there to prepare a place for us. Who are the us? Anybody who believes that Jesus is Lord and that he is the saviour of the world and put their faith in him. That's who the us is. You and I. He is heading back to his heavenly home. And there's something about this. Often we, we think about this. In my father's house are many rooms or in my father's house are many mansions. We think, uh, I don't know if you remember the old country song, there's a, there's a mansion over the hilltop. Anybody remember that? I'm not going to do a cappella this morning. But we have this concept that we're going to live in houses. It's not, that's not the word that's used here. The word that's used is, in my father's household, there are many places. The, 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 the house or the oikos that they're talking about is that, that place where God lives and exists. It's not necessarily a building or it's not necessarily a structure. It's in the presence of God. Someone has rewritten it to say this. Where my father lives in heaven, there is plenty of room and no shortage of accommodations. Heaven is a big place where its inhabitants are going to be like the stars of the heavens and the sand of the seashore. But don't worry. There is no shortage of space. All of God's family of believers will be there and there'll be plenty of room. There is still lots of space for those that are not yet followers of Jesus. And the challenge for us is who are we going to take with us? Who are we going to direct to the only one that can give them access to God's place? I wonder who's on your heart or your mind. Who are you praying for regularly? Could be family members, could be, could be uh, people that you work with or associates in the community. Who are you praying for? Lord, I want to take that person to heaven with me. I want them to be there with me. I want them to know you. Is that the way you're praying? Jesus said, stop shuddering, stop shaking, because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. John chapter 14, verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Who's ready for that? You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Tomorrow? Yes, please, Lord. But there's so much work we have to do, isn't there? There's so much work we have to do in praying people into the kingdom of God and taking the opportunity to witness to fellow, to, to people that we're concerned for. Remember what Jesus was doing? It was going to be a time of confusion. It was going to be a time of trouble for his disciples. But he was trying to give them assurance. He was trying to give them comfort that in the midst of those difficult times, there is this eternal hope in heaven. I don't know about you, but sometimes the difficulties overweigh my thoughts and I forget about this promise. Sometimes life gets tough and I forget that God's made this promise. Sometimes we just need to remember that Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And he's preparing a place for us and he's coming back for us. When his mission is accomplished on this earth, through us, through the church, then will be the time for him to come again. He promises that.
What did he say? He said, I am the way. Stop your shouting and shaking. I am, I am the way. I think that's a copy, isn't it? Yeah. Verse 4 says, You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, what did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I feel a song coming on, but we won't. We have to remember that the way is not a road. The way is not a highway. It's not a path. It's not a ladder. It's not a door. The way is a person. The way is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. And he is the only way to God. No one is good enough to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way to God. And it's only through faith in him. It's one of those emphatic I am statements that he aligns himself with God when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to God. How how is Jesus the way to God? First of all, because he is the truth of God. He is the truth of God. What did Jesus say? Do you remember? We've said this in the past. He said it to his disciples in the past. What did Jesus say? What the Father told him to say. Everything that he said was to reveal the will of the Father to the people who were listening. So Jesus is the truth of God. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, We heard, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus was the truth of God. And Jesus is the way to God because he is the life of God. Listen to these verses out of John's Gospel. I think I've got them up there. In him was life. Chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. That's how he can be the way to God. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says, And and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to this woman, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Only because Jesus is the truth and the life can he be the way for anyone to come to know, to come to God by, by believing in him and by following him. In the midst of trouble and trials that were anticipated for the disciples and that are certainly in our lifetimes, this truth hasn't changed. Jesus is still the way, the truth and the life, the way to God. He remains constant even though things around about us are are constantly changing. He is the truth of God. He is the truth of God for us. Do you know that you're going to heaven for sure? I'll tell you how you can. By placing your faith in Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. If anybody asks you, how do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? The 
The simplest answer is, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and that he will take me to the Father because no one comes to the Father except through him. So there was trouble ahead. Jesus could see trouble ahead for the disciples, but he was also offering them comfort and preparing them for what lay ahead in the promises that he gave. Are you ready? You know, some of us get, we struggle with some of the things that are happening around about us. The promise hasn't changed. Jesus is the constant. He is still the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're struggling through some issues or you're facing some distractions of things that are happening around about you, ask him, Lord, what's the truth in this? How do you want me to go in this? How do you want me to live through this? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. That's the comfort that he gave to the disciples. That's the comfort that he gives to us today. Let's pray. Father, we say thank you that you're a God who knows us through and through. We are your creation, your created beings. And we know that your desire is for each one of us to come back into that personal and intimate relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you that in spite of our selfishness, in spite of sin and and sinful desires, you have still provided the way. You've provided the way through the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you that he is the way, the truth and the life. And not just life now, but life for eternity. Life, uh, eternal life in that place that you're preparing for us. Lord, I pray. Pray for your Holy Spirit to remind us day by day that you are with us, that you are the way, the truth and life. And that, Lord, we can trust you even in the midst of difficult times. We say thank you. Thank you that you saw the disciples and, and what they would face and you see us day by day and what we will face. Lord, and thank you that we can trust you because you don't change. We praise you today. You're our Lord, you're our God. Amen.